Nonsensical podcast about the nonsense of Star Wars. I'm Dave Tree, your co-host, and joining me on this next adventure is the quizmaster, but also the CEO of Killer Records, Martin Keeler. Mr. Killer, how you doing? Hey, Dave. Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Well, we're back for more. I mean, the public demanded it, I suppose. The inbox was full. I had to delete so many messages and we'll have to do a mailbag episode, especially, I think. Everybody is loving your theme music. When's the album coming out? Uh, I'm in negotiations at the moment. Can't say anything else. Signed NDAs, obviously. But uh, you'll be the first to know, Dave. Yes. Well, that excites me massively. Well, I don't know about you, mine, but I'm super excited for tonight's episode. But before we introduce our guest, let's just have a recap from last episode's nomination. But I think a good friend of mine, who I've known for a long time, um, would be amazing on this. So I think you should next have... Paul Naylor. For Star Wars space. <laughs> Our guest tonight may just have the silkiest voice ever to hit this podcast. Initially, he found his way back to a galaxy far, far away by picking up a copy of Timothy Zahn's epic Heir to the Empire from W.H. Smith. Other bookshops are available. But it was not until a fateful newspaper interview with the equally silky Mark Newbold back in 2012 that his passion for Star Wars transcended from casual to all-encompassing and thus fell down the well of poverty and diminishing storage space thanks to Star Wars Black Series figures. Our guests joined Jedi News and later Tracks, which is also an anagram of Fat Kank Trash, as the features editor. He ranks the Disney-era movies, much like the Star Trek films, with Rogue One as his favourite film, but is left colder than a Wampus Dingly Danglies when it comes to The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker. Here's hoping for the right questions tonight. Please welcome Mr. Paul Naylor. What an introduction. Thank you very much, Mr. Tree. What can I say? <laughs> Wampers dingly danglies. That's what you can say. <laughs> I want the T-shirt that says that on it. So how's life treating you, Mr. Naylor? Yeah, all good. Uh, I don't know whether people know, but uh, I, I run a small media business, which mostly comprises of putting together business magazines, cookery books, a bit of graphic design, well, quite a lot of graphic design. Let's, uh, let's not miss my words on that one. So I've been working on logos and that kind of thing. Uh, but then there's also... Um, a side to the business where I do a little bit of uh, tour management. Clients in the past have included the likes of uh, Jason Donovan. Um, who else have we had? Yeah, Jason the- Donovan, it's good. Well we had Jason Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> All you've got to do is get Tom Bailey. And then we're set, so, really, hey, if we? I get Tom Bailey, I'm sorted. But no, um, Anne Whittacombe who was actually an absolute scream. She was so funny. So is this like book tours then or like media appearances? They're sort of spoken word tours. So what they are is town centre theatres, probably 400 seaters, uh, your community theatres out in the sticks. And basically we rock up. I will help with any sort of problems that might crop up, like uh, hotel bookings that might have been double booked, checkout times that need to be extended for whatever reason. Uh, getting into the venue. <laughs> well, <laughs> hang on a second. You, you fix a lot of stuff. Yeah. You specifically brought our extended checkout time. 
So, yeah. like, you know, that's not what you would just normally say when describing these things. So, <laughs> there's probably a few stories there. There, 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 there have been a few stories. <laughs> there's been a few stories. Um, legal reasons we can't go into. No, no. One of my favourite ones was uh, it was actually just before we went into lockdown. Uh, I was on the road with Anne Widdicombe, and we were actually close to where I was living at the time in Shropshire. Uh, so we were about 10 miles from where I lived. So there was no point in me booking into a hotel. I may as well just go back to my house, take Anne to the hotel. So this was February 2020. It was the date that was the problem. It was February the 14th. So there I was pulling a small suitcase with uh, Anne on my arm into a hotel on Valentine's Day. If anybody had had a camera and taken a picture, I, I just feared that I would have probably ended up on the front page of The Sun as uh, some, some sort of Anne Widdicombe scene out with toy boats. <laughs> it's still a paycheck, isn't it? It but is. Yeah. It's, a living. Actually, it's a living. Anyway, Dave, I think we learned quite a lot about Paul there, but I know some more things about Paul. And as always, I'd like to share these facts with you through the medium of song. Bit of honky-tonk, Martin. So what I told you was true. From a certain point of view. In just one day Both conversations were bum-related Paul's job means that he does some random things But Paul is no amateur He once worked with Prime Minister Boris Johnson Joe's tour manager He also mingles with royalty Sir Naylor should be a knight He once nodded at the Prince of Wales And playfully said Who knows? I think it was uh, I think it was Carl that said he wants that as his ringtone. Well, I want mine as my ringtone as well. That's amazing. <laughs> oh dear, Mr. Killer sings the blues. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs>
So Dave, do you want to recap as to what those three facts were? Yes, please. Go for it. So number one was he met Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher on the same day but separately, and yet both conversations were bum-related. Fact number two was he was once the tour manager for Boris Johnson. And fact number three is he met Prince Charles and bizarrely said, all right, and gave him a playful nod. Well interesting trio to pick from there and as per the standard with this show i shall go through forensically yeah forensically <laughs> a process of elimination and get it wrong meeting mark hamill and carrie fisher both on the same day and having talking about bums at both paul we did celebration in chicago together i can't remember if you were getting autographs or not it's a tough one and i can't remember um star wars family fun day up at burnley if you did as well if you've got the opportunity to meet those people you're gonna do it and i reckon you, you did talk about bums because carrie fisher would have talked about bums she probably was just talking about bums to everybody. And then Mark Hamill, he seems game for a laugh. And I, I think he'd be fairly easy going. So I, I reckon that actually happened. I reckon you, you you did meet both of them. You you chatted about bums on the same day. <laughs> and then when they got together in the green room, they're like, oh my God, did you get that guy who talked about bum holes? <laughs> Second one, you were Boris Johnson's tour manager. Now we were just literally like talking about that. That could have been a bit of a faux pas. I, w- I was tense. I won't. I won't lie. I was tense when the conversation went down that road. <laughs> he, 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 he could have suddenly like mentioned that, and then that kind of like blows the lid off that. But equally, you paused and you hesitated because you said about <laughs> Jason Donovan and Anne Woodcombe. So it could be that you did do tour with Boris Johnson because you suddenly remembered. So that could have been a possibility as well. And then the third one was you saw Prince Charles and you just nodded at him and said, all right, that's equally plausible as well. <laughs> um, because I actually think, unless you knew he was there and everything like that, but I, I, I think you might not necessarily be starstruck, but you might kind of just do those things and then think, oh my God, that's completely the wrong thing to do to royalty in terms of like the protocol to like interact uh with people but within the realms of what you do i think you're a consummate professional because we just talked about that you have to like sort out things and stuff like that so i actually think that even though i could believe that you would do that i also think at the same time you would be paul naylor plc professional hat on i think you probably have done things like that but i don't think you would necessarily do that to a member of the royal family meeting prince charles nodding at him and saying all right i say that that is the lie mr naylor would you like to yeah. reveal your answers so celebration in london in 2016 would it be 2016 mm-hmm. um i was fortunate enough to meet both mark hamill and carrie fisher by queuing up for their autographs. I was there on behalf of the Shropshire Star newspaper reporting for them. And I'd got all sorts of questions running through my head to ask Mark Hamill because Mark Hamill was about to appear in Man Down with Greg Davis. Greg Davis has links to Shropshire. So I was told that I must ask a question relating to Greg Davis to Mark Hamill. Of all the questions I could possibly ask, you'd think, oh, we'll ask something Star Wars related, but oh no. Uh, So I introduced myself to Mark and I said, um, I actually work for a a regional paper 
and I've been asked to ask you about uh, your time working with Greg Davis. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, really funny guy. He said, uh, I said, actually, I said, um, the newspaper I work for, Greg Davis actually sort of used one of our front pages in one of his uh, stage appearances. And Mark goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know the one you mean, the farting dentist. And I went, that's the one, that's the <laughs> one. So we, we, we basically, we had a front page and Google this, folks, because it is a hilarious clip. Basically, we... we uh, Greg Davis goes through all the news items that were happening that day, all the things that the editorial team could have talked about for the front cover. There was uh, a crisis over in the Yemen or something like that. There'd been a massive tra train derailment somewhere. And what did we go with? A farting dentist offends a patient. Um, and so Greg had used that. He'd already told Mark about it. So that's what me and Mark talked about. So after oh, that... Wow. <laughs> So after that, I joined the queue to speak to Carrie Fisher. You got to choose your photo. You gave it to the PA. The PA then wrote down on a post-it note what you wanted putting onto the picture. Well, I was getting one for my son. And then also I was staying with a friend of mine in London and he didn't want any payment for staying at his flat. So I said, right, your kids, is there any particular Star Wars character that they really like? And he'd got two daughters and a son, but they, they all like Princess Leia. So I thought, right, I'll get them an autograph to the family from Carrie Fisher. I told the PA what the name was to put onto the um, post-it note when it was my turn to, to say hello to Carrie. She signed the one for Matthew and then I stood there and she goes, oh, you've got another one? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she looked at the post-it note and started laughing. <laughs> I said, are you okay? She goes, yeah, is this really what you want put in? The anus family? I said, no, it's the Amos family. The Amos family. <laughs> so, so I got to meet the two wow. actors in one day that I really wanted to meet, and both stories, through no fault of my own, went down the bum route. That's quite an achievement. I love that. That's yeah. fantastic. So that's the one story. So of the other two, I was indeed working in another newspaper, a sister newspaper to the Shropshire Star, called The Express and Star in Wolverhampton. It was 1997. It was just before the Star Wars special edition was, was about to be released at cinema, and uh, Prince Charles... Was going to the to, to the to the premiere, so I thought, oh blimey! The one thing I'd love to say, the one thing I'd love to say to him is, can I have your ticket? But anyway, I wasn't due to meet him, and um, my boss was involved of a committee of about a dozen people who were taken into the boardroom and told what etiquette to use when they were introduced to him. Then it became apparent on the day one of the party that was with Prince Charles was in a wheelchair. So access to the floor that I normally worked on and that my boss worked on wasn't going to be easy. So they moved our desks down to the next floor and just set up a temporary situation with me facing my boss. And my boss had been told what etiquette to use. So I'm sat there. My boss had gone sort of like a sort of a beige, beige green colour all morning, been backwards to the toilet thousands of times. He then sat at his desk but it was me that could look up and see when the party came around the corner. And sure enough, there's uh, two or three of the um, the owners of the company chatting away with the royal party and they're approaching our desks. So I get my head down, I'm at the keyboard pretending to work away like that. And I can hear Prince Charles talking to, to my boss. And I looked up for just one split second. And as I looked up, Prince Charles looked directly at me and I went... All right, and then carried on <laughs> So I'm sorry, Dave. I've ah, never, never worked yes. with Boris Johnson. And yes. you're quite right. You're quite right. I actually put that bumbling pause in to kind of throw you. <laughs> 
damn. <laughs> I've been outfoxed and well played. Oh, dear. Tipped the balance of scales in Mr. Killer's favour. you definitely got to be ahead now, Martin, surely. I think so. You're just too trusting, Dave. Well, that's taught me it's now time for a bit of revenge. So the tables are now going to be turned. We're going to like take you through a series of questions that have been segmented into a number of different rounds. First one being, you may fire when ready. 60 seconds, quick fire questions. Just literally answer as many as you can within the time limit. Would you sooner kiss a Wookiee or Han Solo? Oh, a Wookiee. Fuck a pet dog. Which member of the Jedi Council do you think most likely smells of rotten cabbage? Oh, Key Addie Mundy. Looks like one. Looks like a knickknack. Do you think Maz Kanata ever got it on with Chewbacca? Yeah, that's why she went blind. That's why she got the glasses. When was the last time you were mistaken for 88? Uh, a week last Wednesday. It was raining. I seemed to think I was outside boots in Newport. Are Force Ghosts in Purgatory? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who smells worse, Jawas or Obi-Wan Kenobi? I would say later in life, definitely Obi-Wan Kenobi, because those clothes were never changed. I mean, I know what I'm like if I've accidentally worn the same pants twice, so yeah, he was just stunk rank. When was the last time you were mistaken for reuse? Christmas Day. I was doing that uh, pie face game. What percentage of the Moss Espa street trader Jira goes into making Jira juice? About 5.2. Would you rather be Sice Noodles, Max Rebo or Droopy McCall? Oh, Droopy McCall. I just really love those brown cycle shorts. I, I just imagine that after each gig, he gets on his purple chopper and rides back out into town. Evacuate? In our moment of triumph? Wow! <laughs> so, so there's a lot to disseminate through this. <laughs> And, and like I said, this is the warm-up round. Uh, I think it's only fair that we just go back and slightly review some of these answers. Well, can we go straight into the fashion sense of Droopy McCall? And his purple chopper. What drew you straight to Droopy McCall was not the character. It was the fact that he had a pair of brown shorts. Yeah, I, I was always fascinated by those cycle shorts. It was a strange idea, wasn't it? You've got Cy Snootles wearing like a little grass skirt number. Max Rebo, we didn't really know what was going on there. But then if you bought the action figure, it looked like he got the same sort of pants on that Luke had in the back to tube. Except that's factually wrong, isn't it? That's a, yeah, yeah. Because actually, a, it's like a dog, isn't it? That's it. So, yeah. you know, totally wrong. But yeah, I, I just I was always impressed by the fact that Droopy McCall was sort of rocking some dark brown lycra. Just nice to know that you can get that on the high street in Tatooine. I think one of my favourite answers there also was when was the last time you were mistaken for reuse? And it was on Christmas Day when you were playing Pie Face. Very specific, that one. Well, because we believe you, Paul. I can only imagine what happened <laughs> whilst playing the legendary game that is Pie Face. The projectile length of cream came towards my face no no no, no. come on <laughs> who was involved in this 100 true story it, it, well in this one in this 106 true story yeah. it would have been probably my son matthew my daughter rachel probably uh, probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> have a vague recollection that they I, might have been there on Christmas I, Day. I, I may have had an absinthe or two i don't know um can i just be clear though these children you're talking about are actually yes. grown adults Rachel's just turned 21 matthew's just turned 18 so yeah so, so dad's yeah. Says 
Tell you what, I know what you youngsters want. You want a game of high face. Yeah. Because it's Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. With you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a way of getting that extra bit of cream. If, you know, you've eaten all the trifle, mm-hmm. you're hankering for a bit of dessert, why not? Get the cream in your face, go for it. You're there and you're thinking, if that great big blob of cream lands just in the right place, I'm going to be a dead ringer for reading. So talk us through the reaction of these young adults when uh, you allegedly become a dead ringer for reyes well i i think what it came down to i was wearing sort of like a, a brownish sort of mauve sort of onesie and i was carrying a rather attractive gold rifle so i think really the setup was there do you think he has brown cycle shorts as well oh uh, yeah but he wears them underneath dave i mean he's yeah. he's quite he's quite a private guy well i'm convinced this 100 percent happened <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i, I i've got yeah, and I think if, I think if I told myself the story several times, I could convince myself that it happened. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so you, you were very specific on how much Jira was in a Jira juice. Yes. Talk, us, talk us through how you again how you're so knowledgeable on this subject. Well, I I, I base my knowledge on many years in metallurgy, where I know for a fact that the amount of gold in gold isn't anywhere near as much as you actually think it is. Oh. It's actually made up of 25% parsnips. Uh, and then there's uh, other elements that are put into it, including balsa wood and vinegar. So gold isn't actually gold. And on that basis, I'm pretty certain that 5.2% of Jira juice is Jira. And is that extracted or? It's like... unrefined uh, and then extracted and then retracted and protracted. Supplementary question. <laughs> How was this discovered? It's actually discovered by Yoda. He'd been on Dagobah for two days and he'd had a good look around, found there wasn't a lot to do. So he went back to his ship, chucked a bit of mud on it, found it made an excellent hut. Uh, and he was just putting the last bit on and uh, he found a, a carton of Jira juice. It, it said it, it was a it was part of a multi-pack. It said do not sell separately. But mm. cunningly, Yoda had actually managed to procure it separately. But uh, yeah, happy days for Yoda, happy days for Jira. Bloody privileged, didn't he? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, my word. Well, that's hopefully warmed you up. When I say warmed you up, I think you're already there. I, mean, I think you're like about <laughs> 10 paces ahead of where we are, if I'm honest. We like some of those answers. This is now kind of like getting into Carl Bayliss territory. That was round one. Round two is slightly different. It could be one of three potential sets of questions. There yeah. are questions about... Uh, Star Wars films mm-hmm. there are questions about Star Wars fandom and community and there are questions about Star Wars collecting okay. so Martin is going to spin the wheel and we are going to be able to select from that which set of questions we're going to ask you for round two Control, control, you must run control. Luminous beings are we. Luminous beings are we. Questions relating to fandom. What is the greatest Star Wars video game you've played? When my son Matthew was little, he didn't actually get into Star Wars until he was probably about five or six but uh i i deliberately didn't get him into it and it was my brother bought him his first star wars stuff so matthew first of all got into like galactic heroes but then he had the lego star wars game 
I think it might have been the uh, the one based on the prequel trilogy that he got. But then we obviously had the one that had got the saga. So the, the complete Lego saga for all the star, the six Star Wars films. And we played that to death. I'm particularly fond of it because it was like a dad and son thing. So the, the playability of the Lego games is great. The sense of humour that's in there, spot on. But the actual levels as well, they're, they're, some of them were pretty difficult. And I'm looking forward to the, the one that's due to be released now, I believe in 2028. Well, it's not being confirmed yet. <laughs> <laughs> still, there's still time for it to slip back further. I, I remember when those games came out and they were huge. I mean, yeah. they, they, they were... Big, big top selling games, you know, they're always in the top, and like multi format and things like that. But since then, I've kind of like not even noticed. Did they have they done Lego versions of all the Disney era films? Yes, I, yeah, there are there are some of the Disney era films. Yeah, I, I don't think they touched on Rogue One and Solo, did they? I think it was the, the saga story, wasn't it? Yeah. Did they it's do got... the full saga or was it just the Force Awakens? Uh, it might have just been the Force Awakens. Thinking about it, yeah, mm. yeah, might have been. Yeah, and I, I know he definitely had that one. When we used to play it when uh, when he was little, when he used to collect the uh, the mini kit pieces. The, then build a, a small uh, ship. We didn't call it mini kit. We called them bangers because they banged when when he got one. So yeah. I can remember we always called them. Oh, we're gonna get a banger. Go and get a banger. Go back for that one. And uh, it's just cute little things that we did when he when he was little. It just sort of like just reminds me of him growing up. So it's it's nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cats in the cradle. <laughs> 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 hey, how's that for a contemporary reference, folks? <laughs> yeah. no, don't tell me that was the ugly kid Joe version of God. That was a banger. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Was that uh, everything about you? That was it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, hate yeah. everything about you. Yeah, yeah, God. That was their biggest hit. Yeah, they had like two songs. That was it. Yep. <laughs> One of them wasn't this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Bloody ugly kid Joe. I remember my mate had an ugly kid Joe t shirt and it was like the Statue of Liberty. And I don't know if it was like off their album cover or something like that. He wore nothing but that. And I would have an 808 State t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd just be on our mountain bikes. You know, he'd have ugly kid Joe and I'd have 808 State. But, you were uh, clear, clearly the cooler of the two, weren't you? Yes, yeah. very much so. <laughs> Was he called Joe? No, Aaron. No. Was he an ugly kid? Yeah. <laughs> Next question. What is the most mundane encounter you've ever had with a Star Wars celebrity? Okay, this is quite nice. So I was always a Star Wars fan, but it was only really when I got into a conversation with Mark Newbold that I sort of came out more into the community, if you like. It was almost something like, you're an adult, you shouldn't be so passionate about these things anymore. But uh, a few years before I went to my first convention, which was over at Telford in Shropshire, and it was with a friend of mine, his son, and my son Matthew. It must have been around about, 2008 so Matthew would have been about five I think it was the either the first or the second autograph my son ever got I think it was the first we went over to Warwick Davis so Warwick was sat there with his wife at a table and bearing in mind we'd never been to a convention before so we went over and laying in front of them were all these lovely eight by ten color photos we said hi hello had a little bit of a chat picked a photo of each and walked away thinking that these things were just there just just for you to take please take one kind of mentality <laughs> so we were started walking away and we got about 
oh, I don't know, 50 yards or so. And from behind us, we heard, excuse me, excuse me. And running across the, towards us was Warwick Davis saying, you don't just take those, don't you pay for an autograph and I sign them. Oh, right. Sorry. Sorry. Our mistake. Completely didn't understand. And he clearly understood that we were newbies and didn't know what was going on. So he, he said to the two little lads, he said, come on, come on, come with me. So I went back to the table and he got some little postcards that had got him dressed as not only as Wicket, but also he was in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the um, Willow. Yeah, Willow, that goblin thing he did with them. Jennifer Aniston, leprechaun. Anyway, a montage, a, a montage of the films that you've been in. Oh, gobble it <laughs> yeah. But he, he, grac- he graciously signed one of oh, those. Gobble revenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 <I'll> screw you. <laughs> <laughs> so the lad's got a free little autograph. Sorry, sorry, he, he, sorry. <laughs> You said he was all right, and yet he signed, oh, screw you. Yes, he clearly did. like he was all right, Paul. Yeah, no, (laughs) it turned out he was a time traveller, but he travelled back in time. He signed the card, and then he asked... He asked me to deliver it to you two today, so uh, you should receive it in the post any time now. Oh, you no problems. Free autograph. I loved him as R2-D2. Oh, he was great, wasn't he? Yeah. I was really hoping when he said, I heard this voice, and I looked around, and I was rugby tackled. <laughs> like a ton of bricks. <laughs> uh, no. But so that was the first time we met him, but then we did meet him a couple of years later have a proper autograph done and everything but uh, that was the start of Matthew's autograph collection he's got like probably about 40 or 50 now but, do you get them all to write screw you on it for consistency or no what just Warwick's just Warwick's I love him and this one screw you and this one screw, <laughs> screw you, you. And this one screw you right should we ruin another question yeah do it spin 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 what is the most humiliating thing you've ever done for Star Wars? That we haven't covered yet. <laughs> that we haven't? <laughs> Why, was any of that humiliating? Um, <laughs> the stealing most... off of Warwick Davis was... Yeah. The most humiliating thing, well, I suppose it was humiliating and frustrating, was whilst in Orlando, joined the queue to get in for the um for the big panel the next day got over there with uh with a mate of mine we rocked up at like two in the morning and we're still a fair way down a queue i thought oh looking at the amount of people that are in the queue we're going to be fine here what we hadn't realized was that the real queue for that paddle had already been shut inside and that we were actually going to end up in the um the overflow the, room. the, the overflow room thank you yeah so and already getting there obviously you may as well be sat in front of the TV because you're not actually in the room with the people. So we sat there all night trying to stay awake, chatting with people and sort of like having a bit of a laugh, thinking, yeah, yeah, we're in here, we're in here. And it didn't dawn on us until seven or eight hours later when we got actually got in the building, the cock-up that we'd done. So, yeah, I felt humiliated and quite aggrieved by that, I suppose. That wasn't really your fault, though, because I, I was there for that. And mm. I think they openly admit they had underestimated yeah. the demand because it was a panel at that time. It was a panel no one knew what was going to happen it was just the 40th anniversary (laughs) it was frustrating and humiliating in the first place but then when you actually got into that overspill room and you could see what the people in the room were actually witnessing you felt even more aggrieved that you were like 200 people away from being in that room Mm. a bit deflated one of the best ones I had was when I was in, in London, where, uh, again, because I was reporting for a newspaper, I'd, I'd been sent a wrist, um, 
an email to go and get a wristband for the Rebels panel. So the day that I had to go and queue up and get the, the wristband put on meant that I couldn't go and queue up to get the wristband for the end of show panel, uh, which is the one where they were going to reveal um, Alden Ehrenreich and... and That's it, yeah. The fu- future directors, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The future directors, that, yeah, that didn't happen. And then also Mark and Carrie came out with the dogs and, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a really... bums. Yeah, it talks about bums. And said, we made a guy earlier. Yeah, uh, so... I didn't have a wristband for that, so I was pretty gutted. So just as everybody had gone in there, and there was just the last few that were walking in, so I started walking confidently towards the curtains, <laughs> and this steward stopped me, looked at the wristband, which was clearly the wrong colour. He looked at me, and I said, mate, it says I had to go and queue up for this. I desperately want to go and see this. Is there any chance? He looked at me. He looked side to side. And he said, go on, get in, get in. So I went in, saw it all. Fantastic. Then at the end, when we came out, I forget what happened, but I think it was like an encore with Warwick Davis when they came on and they showed the mm. 40th anniversary lo- logo for Star Wars. And so everybody had come out and then people realized that there was something else going on. So people tried to go back in. And so I'm thinking, oh, crikey, I want to go back in again. And the same steward goes, just get in there. <laughs> so, no, no, it's fine. Cheers, mate. He remembered me. And, and funnily enough, afterwards, when I came out, no, I made the point of finding him and thanking him because I, I, I don't know about you guys, if ever you've been to any of these things, but I got quite emotional at that one. I don't know what I don't know what it was that actually triggered it, but I felt really teary in that one. I came out and I was in bits. It's sleep deprivation. It probably was. Yeah. <laughs> or I might have just been starting to add up how much I'd spent on merchandise. I remember that really well, because that was the, like I say, the future films thing, which had Lord and Miller, which was hilarious. Yeah. But that big, where, where everyone came back, because I was there and I hung around. Yeah. And what it was, was Warwick was yeah. on the stage. I know he clocked someone leaving. Yeah. And just shouted, screw you at the top of the <laughs> <laughs> And everyone thought something was happening, come back in. Yeah, when he chatted, screw you, and I turned and I said, no, thanks, I've already got that autograph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next question. What are the biggest misconceptions in the Star Wars fandom? Uh, the biggest misconception, I suppose, is that they're all sort of single geeks. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would never they would never even get a chance of having a partner never mind getting married and having kids i suppose <laughs> no, so what's the biggest misconception <laughs> not the average yeah well, what, the question isn't what's the harsh reality Star Wars fandom. It's, what are the oh, biggest misconceptions in the Star Wars fandom? Oh, I, I totally misunderstood you. Sorry. <laughs> the biggest misconception. The biggest misconception is that you know everything about Star Wars because it's only when you sit down with people that, that know more about it than you do that you really do think, God, you're a geek. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the things that people know that you don't know, you think, really? You, you've drilled down into the, the mythology that deep to know that? Seriously? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been in those scenarios where you just think, can we just talk about anything else? else? <laughs> <laughs> oh, know, yes. is, there an, is there an off switch to this? Yeah. 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 
many times. <laughs> Do you ever get that thing where someone says to you, oh, I know something about Star Wars? And it's kind of like a gamble, isn't it? Because yeah. they might be turning around to you and say, did you know that the guy who played Darth Vader was also the Green Cross Code Man? I did or, not know that. Or it could be genuinely something <laughs> that blows your mind that you never knew. Yeah. I, I'm always on knife edge when someone says that because... <laughs> <laughs> you don't know which way it's going to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or or you've got like some sort of relation. You've got like an auntie who spotted some Star Wars stuff at a car boot sale. Oh, I saw something the other day and thought of you. That Star Wars stuff, it got that Mr. Spock and that Captain Kirk on it. And you go, here we go. You get to a point <laughs> where you stop trying to fight it. Yeah. And, and, and you just like, okay, that, that, that's great. You know, and, and you just, you just, engage with people because you don't want to tell them that they're wrong or well actually um or anything like that um, because it and- doesn't really matter does it it's no, not no, going to no, change no. their lives it's not going to change yeah. yours i always try to think of it as like we're the ones with the problem we're, we're yeah. the ones yeah. that are spending far too much time talking and analyzing i do genuinely when someone says to me oh you know I, I don't know much about star wars but i know this or they try to tell me something about stars i kind of nine times out of ten i'm almost looking and going i wish i was like you such hope such enthusiasm i mean we've all got friends that aren't into it but they're into something else they might be into a particular football team or cricket or whatever and the, the, the only way that you can sort of convey to them what Star Wars means to you. She so you go, well, you're a season ticket holder. You'll go and watch that week in, week out. Sometimes you'll win. Sometimes you'll lose. So sometimes you're paying a lot of money to actually come away quite unhappy. Whereas we generally, we come away reasonably happy. Just think of it in those terms. It's just something that we like. So round three is Wexley Snaps. We've taken you through a quick fire round. We've taken you through a round that is themed around the fandom side of things. But Wexley Snaps is kind of like the next version onwards. And these are all pretty much random, but they will probably require a little bit more thought in your answers. So here we go. Do me a personal favor. Be optimistic. Yes, ma'am. Uh, this, is, this is terrific. You're not going to believe how well this is going to turn out. It's going to be great. Spin, 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 Do you think you could win an arm wrestle against Dexter Jetster? How many arms is he allowed to use? He's got four, but I see him exactly. only one at a time. <laughs> he would. Just because he's bigger? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that he's a pretty strong guy. You know, he's had to sort a few punters out in that uh, little bar of his. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd love to go to Dex's diner. I'm so hungry. I'd quite happily have the stuff after he'd scratched himself. I'm, I could just eat anything. I'd love a sh- shorted club sandwich. Wouldn't mind a jar of juice either. Quite fancy a photon fizzle as well. Obi-Wan can't be wrong. He, he, he must know where a good place to eat is. So dreamy. Uh, next question. No secret is safe from Bore Gullet, but what is the secret Bore Gullet's keeping from you? His real name is Gore Bullet. Well, he's an exchange student from Lithuania inside that uh, blubbering mess and that one rancid, putrid eye. It's actually just a a young kid wearing a costume that he made on his seventh birthday and... uh, just can't get out of it. Did he get in with the wrong crowd? It, well, no, it was just him that got into it. But, uh, yeah. 
there wasn't room for a crowd. There was a queue outside, but unfortunately the door shut at midnight and they thought they were going to get in, but they didn't. Ooh, still hurts. <laughs> so what, he was trying to get into a club? Yeah, yeah, he'd, he'd seen a, he'd seen a, an advert for a Club Obi-Wan. Well, he thought it was an advert. It was actually a film clip. But, uh, but yeah, he just couldn't get in. Couldn't get in. Shocking, really. Which Star Wars character do you think has the smelliest farts? Got to be Jabba. Got to be. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Got to be. That's... <laughs> Or Jabba gets it in one form or another in every show, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah. The last the, show was brutal. You don't, live, you don't live on a diet of live frogs and not have bad farts, let's be honest. Where does he oh. fart out of? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? No. Mike Edmonds. No, I reckon somewhere hidden under that tail. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. Was it was it one of you one of you that was trying to question the other day how they reproduce, how huts reproduce? Mm. Mm. Right. So, in a desperate attempt to get something out of this question, what, <laughs> what 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 do you think it smells of? And bear in mind, it's Jabba, right? So everyone's yeah. very subservient and nervous around that Jabba because he'll kill them without mm. even thinking about it. When he does let fly, yeah. how, do, how do people react? Right, well, this is where the Gamorrean guards have been very clever. Everybody assumes that that's mucus around their nostrils. Right. It's actually, you, you've seen in Silence of the Lambs when she puts that sort of stripe of sort of like uh, smelling salts under her nose when she goes to the autopsy. So what it is, it's that kind of thing. It's a bit like sort of uh, Vicks Vapor Rub. Right. It's up their nostrils so as it not to smell the rank guffs that come from Jabba the Guff. And when you think about it, there is that little jowl behind him fanning as well. Like There is. Easily. There is, so, like, yes. Going, oh, that, well, rem- well remembered. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, apparently every time you hear a jowl go, Utini, that means uh, Jabba's let rip. Yeah. So, yeah. What do they smell like then? Well, I would imagine they smell a little bit like a Bombay bad boy pot noodle mm. that's been left out on the side, mixed up with a bowl of porridge oats, and then put into a blender and flicked around the room. And then you've gone out of that room, you've gone shopping, you've come back, you haven't tidied up, you've opened the door, and it's just that that stink. It's a flick on return of the door. Like, oh. <laughs> 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 Now that really would be a special edition. Which force ghost is missing from the Skywalker saga? Are we talking about the Disney trilogy or are we talking about the whole saga? I mean, is it now referred to as the Skywalker saga, even though the last three films don't actually really relate to Skywalker? Okay, so I, I misunderstood the question. I thought we were talking about the seven, eight, and nine. I, I quite like seven, but eight and nine forget. Okay, if we're talking about the saga on the whole, actually, sorry, I, there there aren't any different force ghosts, are they in the in the three, seven, eight, and nine? Is it? I don't think there, there's well, only Luke, there's only Luke, oh, just Luke and, yeah. and, 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 and Leia and Leia, oh, and, right and, and, and Leia, yeah, yeah, and Yoda and uh, and Yoda, yeah. Well, Yoda, Yoda turns up in Return of the Jedi, doesn't he? Yeah, I think it would have been good to have seen Anakin in some form or other in seven, eight, or nine. 
Okay, but, but he appears in Jedi, doesn't he? Yeah, okay. So are we talking about a Force Ghost that hasn't appeared in any of the films? I think so. Yeah? Yeah, why not? Right, okay. If they were going to go down the route that he died, then Mace Windu. Mm -hmm. However, I think they've saved the um, the fact that perhaps he didn't die uh, and that, <laughs> that the character is going to come back with some badass jedi hating one hand missing bounty hunter so that'll be quite cool that's very well thought out in advance <laughs> isn't it, there's a pitch yeah. yeah there's a pitch yeah you think that's what george lucas said on the set should we just make it absolutely crystal clear he's dead no leave it open because <laughs> yeah. maybe in 20 years time well, we've seen we'll, him we'll do a tv series that <laughs> We can bring him back into yeah, exactly, not? exactly. Yeah. You've seen him fall from greater heights, you know, so yeah. no problem. But yeah, I think Mace Windu, if they were going to make it clear that he died, would have been a good one to put in. So all roads have led you to this one point for the last round of Boar Gullet knows the truth. Everything we've done is to kind of like open your mind and get you used to these kind of questions, but it's all been about this last round. If you could live on any planet from Star Wars, which one would you live on and why? I think I would live on Naboo. Ooh. Oh, good choice. Nice architecture. The climate looks quite nice. Not too hot, not too cold. They look fairly civilised people, apart from when they get invaded. I think, yeah, I think Naboo would be quite a nice place to live. I'm with you on that one. That yeah. is actually the one that I would pick. Um, yeah. just, just purely because it's so picturesque. Yes, and, uh, it is. And, yeah. and lovely. Would you roll around the fields? Well, with one of those huge ticks. Yeah. 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 Talk us through your perfect day on Naboo. <laughs> My perfect day on Naboo. I always start off with a full English breakfast. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I read of the papers. Yeah. And I never walk down to the palace gardens. Ah, lovely. <laughs> Pick a few flowers for the missus, you know, keep her yeah. sweet. No, I think a perfect day on Naboo would be just sort of like just to enjoy walking down by the side of the lake, like all its Italian-style sort of uh, balustrades and all that. And it'd, it'd feel like you're on holiday, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a nice place to be. Watching the boats come in, watching the boats come <laughs> <go out. laughs> out again. <laughs> Aye. And then we could have a fishy on a little dishy. And, but remember... There's always a bigger fish. So you're sitting there having a nice day by the lake, and then I don't want to ruin it for you, but... Halloween! It's a see you there! Would that enhance or ruin your day? You could drown him. Yeah, uh, I must admit, encountering Mr Binks probably wouldn't be the best of days. But no, I think as long as they were living sort of like in peace, and everybody was happy, Bosnaz was sort of like, you know, chilled out with everything, and yeah, yeah, come on, Naboo's got to be the place to be, hasn't it? What would your job be in Naboo? I'd be a, I'd, I'd just be a, a graphic designer. I'd probably just leaflets and flyers. Leaflets <laughs> and flyers. Yeah. Oh, is that Me. what was going? Was that at the end during the parade? Is that what yeah. was, going, was you going? That's off a kebab. After that's what Dan Muslim. Dan Muslim's throwing them around everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Come to the uh, come to the Gundark barbecue. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. 
the Jar Jar roast. <laughs> but that's another story. That was actually like Boss Mass like doing his misinformation. Because when he's like, they go, peace. It's like, screw you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that turned out well, didn't it? If you could own a Star Wars vehicle in practical terms, which one would you choose? I think the only one I would be licensed to drive would be a land speeder. So yeah, definitely a land speeder. But what if you didn't need a license? Yeah. If I didn't if I didn't need a license. Yeah, live dangerously, Paul. <sighs> okay. I'm gonna go for a scout walker, an ATST. Oh. Yeah. Not as cumbersome as an Atat. I think that'd sort of like be quite cool to sort of like have a wander around in one of those. Would you um, just shoot stuff in the way? Probably. I'd probably stamp on it first, just give that a go. And then if yeah. that didn't work, then you'd shoot it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Would you use it for sort of domestic commuting? Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I don't do the miles I used to, but I could see me delivering magazines on it. Mm. Do, do your leaflet drops <laughs> do yeah. leaflet drops yeah I mean, you're high up as well you know kind of well you know, you know work your I, way to a beach or a crowd and just like uh, start like I, I, I've, I've created a few leaflets and flyers while i'm in the booth could, i've got to deliver them somehow Ooh. you could convert the guns to be like Ooh. t-shirt cannons yeah like you know i like i like where like, you're going i like where you're going i think that's probably it's a much nicer way that people could then perceive an atsd oh look yeah. here comes the flyer delivery man yeah. Oof. Like that. No, but I think an ATST. Don't you think that'd be a cool thing to sort of pilot around? Because it's sort of like it's not a it's not something that flies. Obviously, it's something that it, it's almost like having stilts. Yeah, it's a nice it's little two seater power stilts. Yeah, it's probably got a cup holder. <laughs> I would think it would have at least two two cup holders. Uh, it's got a it's got a sunroof. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a bit like owning a Mazda three two three from nineteen ninety two. It's really nice, very comfortable. <laughs> that was known as a chicken walker as well, wasn't it? <laughs> Mine wasn't. As you continue to use it for your day-to-day domestic duties, how would how would you get around things like click and collect? <laughs> That's a good point. What about <laughs> drive-through? Yeah. I mean, when you go to pay at the window, do you just like throw the money down at them, or, or, or do you have like your your, your contactless card on, on a on a yo-yo? Yeah. I, I think sometimes sometimes when you buy a vehicle it's a bit out of the mainstream you have to sacrifice these small things i'd park it up i'd park up and i'd have to walk in why are there no kids in the original trilogy because they tend to ruin films <laughs> as much as people these days tend to have a bit more love for The Phantom Menace. One of the biggest problems of it was having Anakin as young as he was in that film. Oh, he was I th- wizard. I-, I know he was wizard. Yippee! I know. <laughs> I think they should have started off around the age he was in um, Attack of the Clones, personally. The kids in uh, Revenge of the Sith were good. <laughs> well, after a while. <laughs> they, got, they got better. Yeah. <laughs> they did get better. No, I, I, I don't think, um, I don't think the the quality of child acting ever ever translates to the big screen, does it? Can you think of any child actors in any films that have actually been any good? Haley Joel Osman, he was good in the Sixth Sense. Scared the bejesus out of me. Reasonably, I suppose, but no, no. Christian Bale's good now. Yeah, <laughs> he was a child actor. <laughs> he was a child actor. You're right. <laughs> 
no, I don't, I don't, I don't think really there's any need to, to bring kids into it. I wasn't too keen on Omega in uh, the Bad Batch, to be honest. But it's not real. None of it is. <laughs> You're like, yeah, but you can't fault her performance. It's a cartoon. Badly drawn girl. Uh, badly drawn girl. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm still not massively a fan of the Phantom Menace. I know a lot of people say they think it's actually quite a decent film these days, but yeah not really what i've just heard you say is george lucas hates kids that's why they're not in so so is that is that is that the, the takeaway quote that we're going with from this paul naylor says george lucas hates kids hates kids that's the title for the episode <laughs> george lucas's favorite scene with kids was when anakin killed the young links <laughs> Did you not like Caravan of Courage? I've never seen Caravan of Courage. Oh. I, I don't even want to see the Caravan of Courage. Yeah, you, you got you to watch it. <laughs> I've seen enough of it to know that I wouldn't enjoy it. I have started to watch it and I've walked away from it. And and did you know that Battle of Frandor is, along with The Last Jedi, is Mark Newbold's most hated film? That's what he said, wasn't it? That is exactly what he said. Is it really? Yeah, word for word. Again, I've I've not seen that one much, (laughs) or much of it, shall I say. I want to throw you under the bus a bit here, Paul, if you don't mind. Why not? What do you think think of The Mandalorian? (gasps) As a character or as a series? No, 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 as a series. As a series? Mm. Okay, I'll see where you go with this. No, no, go on, go on, just answer the question. What do you think of The Mandalorian? Oh, he's getting emotional, Paul. You've got to watch yourself. I think The Mandalorian is probably up there with Rogue One as the greatest Star Wars stuff of recent years. What's one of the two main characters of The Mandalorian? Uh, look, if if you're going to start talking to me about Blurgs, no, no, no. <laughs> name name who you think the top two characters in the Mandalorian are. The top two characters in the Mandalorian, yeah, like the, the big headline characters are. Well, the focus, I suppose, is Dinjar and yeah, Grogu. Yeah. Uh, Grogu, yeah, uh, yeah. What's the Grogu known as? Yeah, as a fifty-year-old. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know say, he's say it, I, say it. I, I know he's known as the child. The child. Yes. So yes. one of your favourite bits of Star Wars is a TV <laughs> series focused on the child. Yeah, but again... But they the... ruin everything, apparently. <laughs> I stand by my earlier comment. That character is used uh, to create peril and to be uh, something to continually look after and rescue. So, so Grogu's not strong with the Force and saves the Mandalorian quite a lot then? Yes, Yes, okay, he does that. Okay, he cool, does yeah, that. Cool. But he's also used as a plot device for the most part. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, the same as you got with Omega in the Bad Batch, mm-hmm. they have a strength that they can then call upon to save the day as well. It's all very similar, but it's done better in The Mandalorian than it's done in The Phantom Menace, than it's done in Bad Batch, than it's done with Ahsoka in The Clone Wars. <laughs> but is it is it the child element that ruins it, though? That's that's my that's my <laughs> challenge to you because <laughs> you've made a blanket statement that kids ruin films. All right, I admit that Annie would be rubbish without Annie. <laughs> you, you just have a story of an orphanage. Can you can you just admit you you've wasted the last five minutes of our time? 
with with a theory that you can't substantiate. <laughs> I, I, if if it means we can move on, I'll gladly admit to it. <laughs> no further questions, Miller. You're just digging your own graves. If you had to go on a date with a Rodian, a Mon Calamari, an Ewok, or a Hut, which would you choose, and where would you go on a date? <laughs> I would choose an e- I would choose an Ewok. <laughs> choose an Ewok. I would I would choose an Ewok. Yeah, and I would enter it into the equivalent of Crufts, and where I would hope that the Ewok would win best in class. And hopefully go on. This is a date, Paul. What kind of monster are you? <laughs> I knew I had to show an Ewok in the time. God. <laughs> There's your title. Oh, yeah, this date where you, um, for whatever reason, seem to be parading your date in a, comp- a beauty competition, effectively. How's this play out? Well, basically, if the little cuddly one does very well and wins a prize, I've promised it will go somewhere nice. Maybe a pizza hut. Who knows? <laughs> somewhere where... You know, where an Ewok would love to go. I mean, if you were an Ewok, where would you like to go for your, for your evening meal? Call me an old romantic. I, I'd have missed the crafts bit and gone straight for, do you fancy a pizza hut? <laughs> <laughs> Not, you have to earn the right to have a pizza hut. Hey, look, he's got to earn it. Pizza hut milk. No, no, he's got to earn it. He's got to earn it. You know, you, you don't just get it for nothing. That's the problem with kids today. If you're going somewhere with an Ewok, there's an opportunity there to, you know, show show the show the Ewok off. Let's let's get them out there. Let's let's get them noticed. Oh, so it's a confidence you know? booster. Yeah, this is, this is a sort of you're beautiful, and I want the world to see you're beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's 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 pet ownership at its finest. <laughs> I thought I was helping you out again there, but you've gone right back in. I, th- I think we need to keep facing that this is a date. I don't want to get. <laughs> I don't want to get romantically involved with any of them. But you have to. But you have to. <laughs> you have oh, to. Big one. Yeah. Oh, God. So I'm going to Rodian. So look, let's just recap. Let's we recap. Asked you, we asked you. Yeah. If you had to go on a date, a yeah. date, a as date. in as in this could lead to a relationship. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Rodian, a Mon yeah. Calamari, an Ewok, yeah. or a Hut, which would you choose and where would you go on a date? Now, I want to be clear, this isn't. Would you like a puppy? Which is, I think, where you, <laughs> yeah, and where you go to some kind of contest. Yeah. yeah, this is all about which one you're going to bone. Oh well, in that case, it's a mon calamari. Of course, it is. <laughs> knew it. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> That's all you needed to say. I knew it. I bloody knew it. <laughs> Half, half the battle's just admitting it. So where would I take this Mon Calamari? I don't know. We'd probably go to a beef eater. So oh, I so knew it. Surf yeah, and turf. It. Oh, no. We yeah. just have the steak, aren't we? So peppercorn sauce, obviously. And um, I don't know. How would, how would you spoil the Mon Calamari? How would you let, let the Mon Cali know that you were in the wooing what, mood? What kind of drink would you get? Mm. Or him? Or him. It's a trap. <laughs> that question's a trap, you're right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that I'm gonna buy her a uh, Campari and soda. Mon Campari. About a Mon Campari and soda. Um and uh yeah, we'll just chill out and a few drinks and then uh, yeah. My word. Well, Paul, thank you very much. That was absolutely eye-watering, but phenomenal at the same time. I, I think it is on a par with, with Carl in terms of there are certain things I know not to talk about. So in, in many respects, this podcast has served a very good purpose. But you've been amazing. Thank you very much. Before we go, though, this is your opportunity to now 
nominate the next guest of Star Wars Spin. So whoever mm. you, we've been through this process, who do you think would be a good person for us to get? And whoever you say, whoever you nominate, not me, but Martin will get that person on as the next guest. So Paul Naylor, who is your nomination for the next episode of Star Wars Spins? I would like to nominate for Star Wars Spins a good friend of mine who is uh, an up-and-coming person in the Star Wars community, and that is Christopher Cook. Easy, that one. Ah, oh, see? Mine's not even <laughs> got to flex his muscles. Right? He's not even got to get the checkbook out. So like, <laughs> Well, Paul, you've been amazing. Thank you very much. Should any authority need to like look you up? Is there anywhere in the world that they can reach out and contact you? Other than within like Fanthatrax, that is, which is also an anagram of fat kank trash. You can contact me by email at paul at mediaandyou.co.uk, um, uh, where I will be more than happy to tell you the truth <laughs> about, about Star Wars and why now, at the tender age of 50, I will never be able to watch Ball Gullet, Jabba the Hutt ever again. Well, no, that is brilliant. Thank you very much, Paul. Martin. Mm. Wow, that was quite something, wasn't it? it? It had quite a steamy ending to that one. We, we've not really gone into that well before, have we? No, no. It was like, mm. I, I think I'm going to need to go get a shower with a Wookiee or something like that. Mm, yeah, like, absolutely. Mm. Oh. Oh. Well, Martin, you've been amazing. Again, you are ahead on the uh, Two Truths, One Lie. But, you know, it's worth it just for the audio uh, that you create and, and the many ringtones that uh, have, have been spawned from this. But Martin, thank you very much. I'm Dave, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Star Wars Spins. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Spins. Don't forget to subscribe to the show from all your favourite podcast providers. If you have liked the show, please give us a good review. Head to our website, www.swspins.com, for all links to our social media pages to be kept up to date with our latest news and episode releases. You can also get in touch with the show and why not send through your own question for us to put on our question wheels via email at swspins at gmail.com. The Star Wars Spins theme tune was created, written and performed by Andy Lift, which was then destroyed by the vocals of Martin Keeler and Dave Tree. Star Wars Spins is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. The views and opinions expressed here are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect our own. So for anyone who has beef, go after them, not us.